Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, gave the Canadian oil company Enbridge until May 12th to shut down the section of its Line 5 pipeline that runs along the Straits of Mackinac, saying they failed for decades to meet the obligations outlined in their 1953 easement which allowed them to build the pipeline. Enbridge has filed a federal lawsuit challenging the order. In this episode of Re-Engineering Radio, we look at the situation from an engineering perspective, asking, how would Enbridge shut down the controversial pipeline and construct a replacement tunnel under the lake bed? And we'll touch on why there's a shutdown mandate in the first place, too. Keep listening to get our take on some extreme engineering under Lake Michigan. Okay, so first let's talk about Line 5's lake section. Authorities have been concerned about the pipeline's age and issues with its protective coating for some time, but it was anchor strikes that knocked the underwater section off of some of its supports that set the shutdown mandate in motion. Here are some quick facts about Line 5. It's kind of a lot, but it helps set the stage, so bear with me. Line 5 is a 30-inch diameter pipe spanning 650 miles. The 4.5 miles that run along the Straits of Mackinac diverge into two 20-inch diameter parallel pipelines. The lines then descend, following the lake floor to roughly a depth of 270 feet under the straits. Though Enbridge says it never gave the line a lifespan when it was built, other organizations estimate it was designed to last 50 years. Today, it is 67 years old. The original permit for the line in 1953 allowed transport of 300,000 barrels per day. Over time, that capacity has been increased so that today it carries over 500,000 barrels per day. And according to Enbridge, Line 5 supplies 65% of propane demand in the Upper Peninsula and 55% of Michigan's statewide propane needs. The fate of Line 5 is coming into focus at a pivotal time for the planet's energy future. The Biden administration recently announced a goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by half by 2030. The UK also has a 2030 milestone for a ban on the sale of diesel and gas-powered cars. And the automakers are following suit. For example, by 2040, GM plans for its entire operation to be carbon neutral. This small section of pipe is a big, real-time case study on how complex our transition to more sustainable energy will be. International treaties, jobs, energy prices, environmental impacts, and extreme engineering are all at play. To state the obvious, an oil leak in the Great Lakes would be bad which is why Enbridge is pursuing building a new tunnel to enclose its pipeline, while keeping a close eye on the straight section. As reported on the company's website, Enbridge employees monitor the Line 5 straights crossing 24-7, using both specially trained staff and sophisticated computer monitoring systems. They also carry out regular inspections of the line, using inline tools, expert divers, and remote operating vehicles, ROVs, going above and beyond regulatory requirements. But it hasn't been enough, says Beth Wallace. They really have only a few months in the year to look at the physical pipeline because of weather conditions and that location. My name is Beth Wallace. I'm the Great Lakes Freshwater Campaigns Manager for the National Wildlife Federation. I'm also the pipeline specialist. I've, I've worked on pipeline issues for the better part of 11 years now. In 2020, Enbridge disclosed that when they were doing maintenance on the pipe, they discovered that one of the lines had moved. They 
realized that it was likely an anchor strike that hit the pipeline or an anchor from a boat that hit the pipeline. And in under further investigation, they learned that the, the other pipeline in that location, which is about a thousand feet apart, uh, had also sustained damage and likely from a different anchor strike. And so there were two consecutive anchor strikes within a year that were undetected by Enbridge, despite there being significant damage to the pipeline. The straight section was temporarily shut down to investigate the damage. Subsequently, the governor moved to revoke a 1953 state easement that allowed the straight section to run along the lake floor. Whitmer gave Enbridge 180 days to comply, which landed on May 12, 2021. Enbridge filed a federal lawsuit challenging the order. The battle over the easement is playing out in court, but regardless of the outcome, Enbridge may eventually shut down the straight section. If and when the time comes, most of the process will be handled remotely. Enbridge controls the northernmost valve and the southernmost valve at the water crossing from a facility in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, what's important to note, though, when they closed those valves, and especially when they closed them in this last year due to damage to the pipeline that they needed to investigate, um, they, they do so with product in the pipeline. So they do not go through a process where they, they are purging anything out when they close those valves in those emergency situations. Uh, so you have uh, two pipelines, 20 inches in di diameter each filled with product. And it could be in this case, a light crude or an NGL, which is what Enbridge reports is transported in this line. That's about 1.5 million gallons or two Olympic-sized swimming pools of oil that would be in limbo under the lake. After some period of time, it will be in Enbridge's interest to purge the stagnant oil from the pipeline for the health of the pipe and the value of the product. At this stage, a decommissioning process would likely begin. Enbridge describes its pipeline decommissioning process on its website. It goes like this. After the oil is pumped out of the section, the pipe is rinsed with water or other flushing products, then a common pipeline inspection machine called a smart pig that fits snugly inside the pipe is fitted with scrubbers. The smart pig then drives itself through the pipe, cleaning as it goes. Um, and this pig system got its name, uh, this is just a, a funny aside, it got its name because when it does go through a pipeline, it squeals, it has a really loud squeal noise, and that's why they, they call it that. After the pipe is scrubbed, it's filled with an inert gas and routinely monitored. According to Enbridge, in most cases, leaving the line in place is less damaging to the environment than actually removing it. If the straight section were put into this decommissioned status, there could be implications for the rest of the line, up and downstream. How might Enbridge bridge the gap in Line 5 without the lake section? They maintain that Line 5 is safe to remain in operation while the company builds a tunnel beneath the lake bed to contain a new, replacement segment of the pipeline. The May 12th deadline does not prevent Enbridge from pursuing their tunnel option. That project is making its way through the permitting process, early steps in a lengthy construction timeline. So it's unclear when the oil could start flowing through the line again, if it stops. What is clear is that building the tunnel would require some extreme engineering. From a construction engineering perspective, this is a very exciting project. That's Vineet Kamat, professor of civil and environmental engineering at U of M. Um, in the sense that uh, the construction methods themselves are comparable to some of uh, you know other uh, global spectacular projects we might be familiar with. In this case, uh, the railway tunnel under the English Channel, which was constructed using a, a very similar uh, methods. 
Specializing in construction, automation, and robotics, Kamat is familiar with the type of tunnel boring machinery Enbridge hopes to use. Uh, the type of equipment that is proposed uh, to construct the Enbridge tunnel is called a tunnel boring machine. So you could consider that to be a semi-autonomous type of equipment where the human workers or experts are still in charge of what uh, the tunnel boring machine does in the big scheme. But uh, once it is set up and launched, uh, then the process itself of uh, carving out the tunnel, removing out the muck or the waste material, and as the tunnel progresses, uh, building the concrete lining, uh, this process proceeds in um, uh, quite a bit of an automated fashion. So it wouldn't be too far off to call it a semi-automated robot, uh, uh, except a very large robot. Enbridge's current plans, which are subject to change, indicate that the boring machine will be roughly 500 feet long and will drill a tunnel that's 21 feet in diameter. The size of the tunnel is designed to enable safer containment and monitoring of the pipeline, as well as house other utilities, like fiber optic cable. Enbridge plans to assemble the tunnel boring machine on the south side of the lake over the course of four months. Chewing through its projected 40 feet of rock each day, five days a week, it will take about two years to make its way across the straits. At the north end, the machine would be dismantled and removed. As the cutter head turns and tunneling progresses, a bentonite or clay slurry continuously applies pressure to the rock face for support. The machine lifts precast, one-foot-thick segments of concrete liner into place inside its steel shield and applies grout to complete the seal. Enbridge maintains that during tunneling, the performance of the tunnel boring machine, slurry system, and tunnel lining will be instrumented and closely monitored to verify that systems are performing as anticipated. They have assured that the geology is suitable and the design and construction companies Enbridge is working with have built hundreds of tunnels in a wide range of ground conditions. As the boring machine progresses, technicians will need to do periodic on-site inspection and maintenance deep underground. One uh, might tend to assume that uh, once it's underground, the tunnel goes more or less horizontally, but that is not the case. Um, uh, rather, the deepest point of the tunnel approximately maps the deepest point um, uh, of the channel um, uh, as well. So it, you may think of it as a shallow U-shaped uh, vertical profile, which would be quite typical for a project uh, like this. The tunnel will travel 10 feet below rock or 60 feet below the mud line, whichever is shallower. Keep in mind that's below the lake bed, which sits up to 270 feet below sea level. The depth of the tunnel will require those inspectors to live in pressure chambers on the surface for weeks at a time and be transported down in a pressurized habitat. While Enbridge estimates that the tunnel could be built in three or four years, the timelines for projects of this scale can be hard to predict. Um, even though every tunnel project is unique in terms of uh, subsurface conditions, which is the biggest source of you know, uncertainty in any construction uh, project, uh, there could be uh, obstructions that have not been envisioned, there could be uh, issues with seepage of water in places where uh, you would not expect it. Uh, there would always be differences between the properties of soil uh, that are expected and therefore determine the expected rate of the tunnel boring machine progress versus what is actually encountered. And things like these may uh, offer some uncertainties to the construction project, but uh, I don't think they are uh, 
um, unsurmountable or to the point where they present significant risk because you know this method has been used to construct many other uh, larger projects of similar nature all over the world. Other non-engineering uncertainties surround this project though. One of the main questions is what might happen with Line 5's oil during the construction process. As part of our research for this story, we talked to Seymour Spence. He's an associate professor of civil engineering at U of M who specializes in assessing the reliability and integrity of structures. So basically, I work uh, with buildings uh, subject to extreme natural hazards such as hurricanes and earthquakes and try and determine through computational modeling what the probability of collapse is or inadequate structural performance, whether that be not quite as extreme as collapse, but related to something undesirable from a societal um, perspective. So trying to estimate what the likelihood of something undesirable happening to a system is kind of my area of expertise. Several years ago, he discussed with Enbridge the possibility of carrying out an integrity study to estimate the likelihood of the Line 5 lake section failing in the next 10 to 20 years. Evaluating infrastructure use past its initial life expectancy is something civil engineers face more and more. And a real interesting case uh, kind of aspect of Line 5 is it's something we have a lot of in the all Western culture now, which are infrastructure components built about 60 to 70 years ago, which all come to the end of their useful lives. So there is a need, I will say, to extend the life of these infrastructure components. We can't imagine in any scenario which is economically sustainable to replace every single piece of infrastructure we built 60 to 70 years ago because it came to the end of its life. In many cases, it makes sense to expand the lifespan with repairs and retrofits. But in the case of Line 5, Spence declined to do the study. The problem is that we're talking about something which has a very high consequence if it fails. So we have to frame this in terms of risk. Now, risks are always made of two parts, consequences times probability of failure. The age, extreme environment, and other factors prevented Spence from determining a confidence variable that would have made him comfortable providing a report to Enbridge. Here, the difficulty is consequences are very, very, very high. Um, We're talking about the Great Lakes. This is a freshwater system, one of the largest freshwater systems in the world, if not the largest. So the consequences of an oil spill is very large. Basically, your uncertainties... And this was a preliminary study, I didn't go into detail, but my feeling is that your uncertainties are always going to be too large. You're not going to be able to reduce that risk down to a level or the probability of failure down to a level that when multiplied by the consequences gives you a satisfactory risk. As long as the current straight section is operating, this calculus has many on edge. The tunnel project doesn't pose the same concerns for Spence and Enbridge is committed to paying all costs for the tunnel currently estimated at $500 million, which, as the company says, will virtually eliminate the chance of a pipeline incident in the Straits. Thanks for listening. And hey, one more thing before you go. Please subscribe to Reengineering Radio. And if you have a minute, drop us a review. See you next time.